0: We have been looking for the past six weeks at God's grace. And we've looked at saving grace. Remember that? We started off. Some of you in this room need the saving grace of God. It's available for you. All you have to do is receive it. And then we looked at the sustaining grace of God. How to go through those tough seasons of life and healing grace. And last week we looked at liberating grace. Today, I want to look at something different. I want to look at offering grace. Now the Bible says that God didn't intend you just to receive grace. He intended you to give grace, to pass it on. He wants you to give it away. If you're being blessed by God, He wants you to bless others. Freely, freely you have received, freely, freely Give, that's how he wants it to work. If you've been cared for by God, he wants you to offer that same care and love and acceptance that you receive from him to other people as well. And if you have been forgiven by God, if you've been forgiven by God, he wants you to forgive others. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10, verse 8. Give as freely as you have received. Wow. Give as freely as you have received. So whatever you've been given by God, you are to offer it to others because you've been given it in the first place. Blessed to be a blessing. So this morning, I want us to think particularly though about forgiveness because we have received that. More than anything else, we have received forgiveness. So, how do we give forgiveness to other people? And by the way, we need to clear up a few misapprehensions, misconceptions. What actually is forgiveness? That is very important because a lot of people don't give it because they don't understand what it is. Before we do that, though, I want to take a quick five-question warrant of fitness test just to get this all good to go. So I hope your pens are out because right there on your outline, there's a a brief five-question test. And I want you to answer true or false to each of these. Circle it. Which one is it? First one. Question number one. A person should not be forgiven until he asks for it. Circle true or false. Don't copy your neighbour. I saw you look at Michelle. <laughs> this is your test. Watch out, Emma. Cover your paper. Number two, forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain caused. Think about that carefully. True or false? Some of you are looking quizzical. Forg- Number three, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. True or false? It's important we get this because there's a lot of misinformation about forgiveness. Number four, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offence. Now, that's an interesting one. True or false? hope you're circling those. Number five, finally. When I see someone hurt, somebody else hurt, it's my duty to forgive the offender. True or false? Okay. I hope you've been taking some notes there and circling them. Let's see how we went. So if you read through the Gospels and you read what Jesus said about forgiveness, you would swiftly come to the conclusion that all five of these statements are false. Every one of them. I will cover why in a minute for some of these you are gobsmacked. (laughs) That's important because how can we hit a target we can't see? We're going to get some definitions clear here first. So today we're going to actually take some time to look at what forgiveness really is. But before we can look at that, what it really is, I want to look at what forgiveness is not. So you get a fully orbed perspective on this. Five things that the Bible says forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is absolutely not conditional. In other words, it's not based on some kind of condition. The Bible says it's the exact opposite. The Bible says that real forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, is unconditional. It's not something you earn. And it's not something you deserve. It's not something that you get as part of a bargaining tool. Well, if you promise to never do that again, then I'll forgive you. No, 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 that's a bargain. If you do that, then. The moment you hear the word if, it's a condition. But real forgiveness is unconditional. When you tell a person, I will forgive you, if that's not forgiveness, so we're clear on that. You're bargaining, you're not forgiving. Let's be clear about that. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. So... It can be offered even if not asked for. Do you know that? Well, I'm not going to forgive them until they ask for it. No, 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 no. Just let's rewind our memories a little bit and go back to Jesus on the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them. Remember, for they know not what they do. Were those guys asking for forgiveness then? Like heck, they were crucifying him. Watch Jesus to get the correct definition of forgiveness. At that point, nobody had asked for forgiveness. I saw you doing this to you, Jesus. No, 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 that didn't happen. And certainly nobody deserved that there. Did anybody deserve to be forgiven for that? For crucifying an innocent man? But it was an unconditional offer of pardon. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, genuine forgiveness, underlined, is unconditional. Number two, forgiveness, to get some clarity on this definition, is not minimising the seriousness of the offence. Don't do that. That's not forgiveness. Real forgiveness is not minimising the seriousness of the fence. It's not saying, well, it's no big deal. It didn't really hurt me that much. Yes, it did. Forgiveness is saying, that hurt. That caused pain in my life. But I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold it against you. Stay with me and I'll clear all these questions that are coming to your mind up. Number three, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship, if we're talking about the relationship here, without change. Without change. Forgiveness, friends, is not the same as reconciliation. You need to differentiate those two. Forgiveness is not the same thing as rebuilding or restoring a relationship. Here it is. Forgiveness is instant, but trust has to be rebuilt. And that takes a track record. One swallow doesn't make a summer. There's a big difference between forgiving a person and trusting a person. (laughs) Hold those two separate. It takes more than forgiveness for the reconciliation of relationship. If you want to restore a relationship with someone, first must come forgiveness. That's your part. Because you're the one that's been hurt there. But let's talk about their part, if you want to restore. On their part, it takes three other things. Number one, it takes repentance. That means a change of mind, a change of attitude, and a demonstration of that. Not just words. Secondly, it takes restitution. If they have damaged something, they need to pay for it. They need to fix it. There's restitution. Restitutional justice is another way. And then number three, there's rebuilding trust. And that takes time. Forgiveness is instant, but building trust takes a proven track record. So, if in a relationship that's been harmed or damaged, if you've been hurt, forgiveness is a part that you do, they have to show repentance and they have to show restoration is taking place. For example, let's get real practical. Something that I can speak of. Through my own family. If you have been married, not that I have, but my mum has, to an alcoholic an abusive one, which Dad really wasn't, but many of you have had to deal with an alcoholic who was abusive. And they really hurt you repeatedly over and over. And that person at home comes and says, well, I'm really, really sorry. Will you forgive me? And you say, yes, I will forgive you because God commands me to forgive. Forgiveness is instant. But if they now say, will you let me come back in the house? That's a very different issue. You need to see some progress here first. Perhaps maybe you need to go and take some counselling or a residential course first and develop a track record, and to show that there was genuine change going on here. Now, while forgiveness is based on grace, trust is earned. There is a very big difference. Do you see the difference? If somebody offends you over and over and repeatedly in the same way and continues to hurt you, you are called by God to forgive them, but you are not obligated to trust them instantly and act like everything's fine. And They can come home and things go on as they had done in the past. No. It isn't resuming a relationship without change. Something has to change. Four, Real forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Some of you are very confused about this. You have had a tough time forgiving because you've equated forgiving to forgetting. That's a mistake. Some of you think, well, I can never forget and if I forgive, I'll have to start the relationship again. No, 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 that's not true. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. The more painful something is, the less likely it is that you are going to forget it. You cannot forget something by trying to forget it. I'll try and forget that. What am I trying to forget? Oh, that, that's right. So I keep remembering it. And you go around and around circles. That doesn't work like that. The only way it fades is by replacing those hurts with something else. Now, some of you think that the ultimate in Christian maturity is when I forget the painful things in my life. It's all gone. The things that other people have done to me. Let me tell you this. The truth is you may never forget. You may never forget them. But if you are a Christian, realise that the sovereign grace of God is working. In Romans 8, because God can cause all things to work together for good for those that love Him. Through that pain in our family, which was... Our family was the centre of the storm when it should have been the shelter from the storm. God used that to bring three stroppy boys into his kingdom and to save the whole lot of us, including my father eventually. And I'd go through all that again, just to get all of our family into the kingdom of God. Remember and see that God is amazing. That he can bring beauty out of ashes when you think you've got nothing left, no hope, trashed, hopeless, despondent, God can bring beauty out of that in a way that transcends our understanding. You need to remember how in those times you can grow, how God's grown you in character, how it made you more sensitive to the hurts and needs of other people. How it changed the direction at a crucial point in your life. If God hadn't intervened, I'd be in jail by now. In jail. God intervened through the pain. And then you can really thank God and praise God that He's brought you through it. So forgiveness is not forgetting because you probably never will forget it. And number five, forgiveness is my right When I wasn't the one that was hurt. Only the victim can pronounce forgiveness for the person who's offended them. If you weren't hurt, it's not your place to proclaim forgiveness. Sometimes I see well meaning, well intentioned people proclaiming forgiveness on part of something that they've never had a part of. Forgiveness is not my right if I'm not the one that's hurt. Now, change tracks a little before we move to the last portion here. Many people don't understand that forgiveness does not remove the consequences of sin. So, when a woman takes drugs and she gets pregnant and the baby comes and it has issues, which I've seen in a dear friend of mine's lives. And a mother may say, dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. She's instantly forgiven, but the baby is still born a crack addict. There are consequences for our sins. Or the person who leaves his wife and children, or husband and children, and breaks up a marriage, and then later comes and says, God, I really blew it. Please forgive me. I know that was just stupid. It was selfish. I was only thinking to myself, it was immature. I shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. Clear admission of guilt. Now, they are forgiven by Jesus Christ, but it does not remove the scars that go from breaking up a home. Scars on the children. Scars on both spouses, which will be there. And all others. There are consequences. So, what is real forgiveness, on the other hand? We've looked at what it's not. Let's look at what it is now. Real forgiveness is four things. Number one, it's first of all remembering how much I have been forgiven, remembering how much I've been forgiven, how much grace I've already received from Jesus Christ. That's what grace is and forgiveness is. The Bible says it here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says this Be kind. And compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. How how was the just as? Forgiving each other just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. How lavishly and readily did He forgive you while you were still a sinner? I was still a sinner. Circle in Christ. You're not forgiven because you earned it. You deserved it. Your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds. You never promised to do it again. That's not why you're forgiven. You're forgiven because you put your faith in Christ and this is a starting point of genuine forgiveness. Now, if you don't feel forgiven, you're not likely to offer forgiveness to others. Likewise, if you're hard on yourself, you're likely going to be hard on others. But the more grace that you receive from God, the more gracious you're going to be to others because you've been given to you and you sense that. So you'll give it. And the more freely and the more forgiven you feel by God, the more forgiving you're going to be to others. For example, Jesus one day was in front of a group of religious leaders who, by the way, he had the harshest words for. Jesus in an amazing way of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. One day, a streetwalker, a prostitute, arrived in the middle of this crowd in front of a bunch of really academic guys, religious leaders. And she took this incredibly expensive alabaster vase, white, a box of perfume, and she broke it. Very expensive, this, and she washed Jesus' feet with this very expensive perfume. Now, in those days, they didn't have shoes like we had. They had more sandals. And the religious leaders were absolutely incensed by this all ridiculous, wanton waste. And they said, look, first of all, look who's doing this to you. She's a prostitute. This woman of ill repute. And two, she could have taken that box Flogged it off and given the money to the poor, and then things would have been a whole bunch better. Now, Jesus, when he saw the response, he rebukes the religious leaders and he said, Lighten up, she has been forgiven much, and she's giving the most love. She will be remembered from this day forward because of her actions. You see, she was offering an act of worship. Because she felt so graced by Jesus. She was given lavishly grace. It all starts with remembering how much I have been forgiven. And all of us in this room have been forgiven a lot. Second, real forgiveness is relinquishing my rights to get even. Let's just sign them off. Relinquishing my right to get even. This is the heart of genuine forgiveness. Relinquishing my right to get even. Now the Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, never avenge yourself. Anybody felt like avenging themselves? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially those of you who are competitive like me. He might feel that. Never. It's a big, it's a, it's, that's a very big word. Never avenge yourself. And it says, hang on, what do we do? Then it says, second, second sentence. Leave that to God. For He has said that He will repay those who deserve it. In other words, He'll take care of business. Notice He says there, don't try to get even. Don't try to retaliate. Don't seek revenge. Leave that up to God. Now there's nothing I don't understand about that. It is very, very clear. You and I just need to do it and leave that with God. You say, Well, if I forgive them, that gives does that mean I give give up all of my rights to get even? That's exactly what forgiveness is. You absorb the pain without having to retaliate. You say, Well, hold on, Pastor, that's unfair. Whoever said forgiveness was fair. When Jesus was on that cross, was that fair? No. There's a word for fairness. We like that word. That word is justice. That's fair. I want justice. That's what we say. Justice is fair. Forgiveness, on the other hand, shows grace. Grace. Now, you and I don't deserve forgiveness. You and I actually deserve justice. But instead, we were given grace. And we always want justice in everybody else's life, but we don't want it on our own. See, God is gracious to you and He wants us to be gracious to others. So, you give up your right to get even. Why? He tells us the reason why in the last part of that verse. He says, leave that to God. He said that he will repay all those who deserve it. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed, but in this world, there's a lot of times, when, well, actually, there's some times when you see justice done, but there's a lot of times when you do not see justice done. That's what I've seen. And I've also, I don't know whether you've noticed, that life isn't always fair. But the Bible says, be of good hope. Because there's just a the warmer pact for eternity. God is going to settle the score. He's going to right the wrongs that we see. And by the way, who's going to get better justice? Because he knows all the facts. We have such limited point of view. And God says, you let me handle it. In the meantime, let me fill you with my grace. Enjoy my grace. And let me put my peace in your heart. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. So when you hold on to your hurt, you're only hurting yourself. So you need to relinquish that right to get even. Number three, real forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Genuine forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Again, look how Jesus did that. Luke 6 says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, who give you a hard time. Pray for those who mistreat you. That, my friends, is one of the toughest things I found when I became a Christian. Because I wanted to get even, man. And that took quite some time. To even I could bring myself to pray for my enemy. So, I kind of like, wanted to start the conversation with God, but I would sort of move away from it. It was a tough one to approach. How can you tell when you've really released somebody, when you've genuinely forgiven them? You can tell because you can pray for God to bless them. You do that, you're moving forward in the right direction, which blesses the heart of God. You see, hurt people hurt people. When we hurt others, it's often because we're hurting ourselves. You say, well, how can I respond to evil with good? How can I do that? That's impossible. Well, you're right. You can't. You can't unless you do one thing, and that's allow the love of God to penetrate every fibre of your being and your heart. Only the love of God could cause you to do something like that. That is not your natural response. The Bible says this. Here's a good one. First Corinthians thirteen five. Love keeps no record, no record of wrongs. You know what a record is, don't you? You just write it down. No, you did this on this day, this time. You did this, and you did this one as well. See, a guy was having a big argument with his wife, and the next morning he went to the office. And he pronounced to his mate, his work colleague, the next cubicle, last night my wife got historical. He said, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, no, I mean historical. She told me everything I had ever done wrong. I'd even forgotten I'd done wrong. But she remembered that. Do you ever feel like that? The Bible says when I do that, I'm not being loving. Because the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs, No dredging up the past issues because often what happens, you're having an argument and you're losing the argument on the current grounds. So you have to extend the border to include something back there where there was an egregious sin on and you borrow some strength from back there. Huh? You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The Bible says love, genuine love, keeps no record of wrongs. Don't bring those back. That's unloving. That doesn't mean you forget the wrongs, remember. It just means you don't use them as ammunition to up the calibre of the debate, so to speak, to retaliate. Now, there's a fourth part of genuine forgiveness. It's not just remembering how much I've been forgiven. And it's not just relinquishing my rights to get even. And it's not just responding to evil with good, but it also, real forgiveness involves repeating the process for as long as it takes. Forgiveness is not a one-shot event. Don't know whether you figured that one. <laughs> and it's not a one-shot deal. How long do you have to keep forgiving the person? You do it for as long as that feeling of revenge keeps coming back. Now, Peter, one day feeling a little cocky, says, hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Uh, seven times? Well, Peter, if you do a bit of reading around that, was feeling very magnanimous. <laughs> See, because the Jewish law said that I only had to do it three times. So he thinks, you know what, I'll double down on that. That's six and I'll add one for good measure. That's surely enough. Double down, add one. Reasonable. And Jesus says, not quite. How does 70 times seven sound? The point is for as long as it takes until you let it go. You keep forgiving that person until the pain fades and stops and the desire to get revenge goes away. Now, if they really hurt you, it's going to take more than once. So that's reasonable. Because the memories are going to keep coming back, but you repeat the process as long as it's necessary. And no doubt in a crowd of this size, some of you today are carrying deep wounds. You're carrying some pain that you've carried for sometimes months or maybe even years. And when you think about that person who hurt you, through maybe betrayal or rejection or something else, it can be seen to you to be still as fresh as the day it happened. The pain is still there and you're still hurt. And some of you in this room are still filled with resentment. What do you do? How in the world are you supposed to get on with your life? And maybe you've wondered, why? Why should I forgive that person? That hurt me so much. It was so inconsiderate. And why in the world should I offer grace to that person? Well, I need to be gracious to others for three reasons. Number one, God has been gracious to me. He is gracious on a moment-by-moment basis. And if you can't forgive or find yourself in that state of mind, you need to pause for a minute and realise just how much God has forgiven you. Because you will never have to forgive anybody more than God's had to forgive you. The Bible says we've been forgiven by Christ and we are compelled to forgive those who hurt us. Number two, and this is an important one, because bitterness is the alternative. The alternative is just bitterness. And you and I know that one does not work. We've talked a lot about the futility of bitterness at New Hope. Psychologists and psychiatrists confirm what the Bible has said for thousands of years, that resentment is a super destructive attitude and emotion. Arguments will not kill a marriage. Disputes won't kill a marriage. Fights won't kill a marriage. Resentment and bitterness will. Those two will. Guarantee it. It always hurts you more than anyone else if you hold on to bitterness. It's like taking taking fire and putting it close to your chest. It's going to eat you up. And so while you are stewing and resenting and thinking of retaliatory ways and rehearsing the pain in your mind, they are often completely oblivious and enjoying a nice sail on a nice, calm day. And they go on their merry way. They've dropped it. You are the one, that it's hurting. You're not hurting anybody else but yourself. In fact, the Bible says this in the book of Job you are only, you might want to circle the word only, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. So resentment, remember this, will never change the past. It's impossible. Think about this logically for a moment. It cannot change the past. Resentment will not solve the problem now and it won't even make you feel better. It'll make you feel worse and it will en- prevent you from enjoying the present. So it's a lose, lose, lose. Resentment doesn't work. Bitterness doesn't work. Look at this in Hebrews 12. Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace of God. For if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit. Let me be clear what that means. That means a bitter attitude. When you see the word spirit in the Bible, oftentimes it means attitude. Attitude if he does fail to respond to the grace of God, there can be very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, we have already agree that, but can also poison the lives of many others. Did you see what happens there? Bitterness poisons you and the lives of others. Like who? Like your children. Like your husband like your wife, like your work colleagues. So let it go. And third and final, God expects you to offer forgiveness. There's a whole parable, which we don't have time to go into now, about the unforgiving servant. You may want to read that. It is probably one of the most sobering parables that Jesus told and let me summarise another poem, uh, another scripture which gives the same emphasis here. In Jesus' uh, speaking, Matthew 6.15, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is saying here that a relationship with God will be Damaged if we refuse to pardon those who have offended us. And many Christians miss out on that one. The fact is, in your life, you're going to be hurt. The only question is, what are you going to do with those hurts? If you hold on to them and let them build in your life, you'll end up being bitter and hateful. And your heart is going to grow cold and hard And you will end up isolating yourself from people because you are bitter and you'll end up being lonely because nobody wants to be around bitter people. And you say, but you don't understand. I could never forgive that person. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need him. You can't manufacture enough love in your life to handle all the ways you have been hurt or will be hurt. You don't have enough love to overpower all the hurts on your own. You need Jesus Christ and you need His love to fill your heart or you are going to be a better person. You need to have Him fill you with His love, not necessarily just every year, but moment by moment. And the reason why some of you have a hard time forgiving, as I mentioned, is because you don't feel forgiven. So let's start today with a prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Right now, I want to pray a prayer of forgiveness. And I'd like you to follow me. It's a prayer of liberation, a prayer of freedom. And a prayer that can change your life. Some of you say, if I've forgiven that person in the past, why do I still hurt? Friend, you have got to keep forgiving them until that pain goes away. Would you pray this prayer in your heart? Dear Jesus Christ, you know the hurt I've experienced by the hand of others. And you know that resentment has made me act in ways that have been unhelpful, unhealthy, and sometimes plain unreasonable. I need your power, your love in my life release and forgive those who have hurt me so I can stop letting them control me would you please replace my hurt with the peace that passes understanding that comes from your love Father thank you for every life that's here today I pray that Lord your Holy Spirit will draw Lord them would heal their lives, would heal their hurts. And they would be drawn to you and your boundless love, which is deep enough to swallow any hurt and to cover it as the waters cover the sea. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for the moving of your spirit so gently. Healing. Father, thank you for those that have never known you, who are being drawn to your love right now. I pray that, Lord, you would work in their lives and that sense an increasing sense of your presence. In your precious and powerful name, Amen. Today, if there's something that you'd like to be prayed for, my wife and I will be happy to be just up at the back after the service. We'd love to pray for you. If there's anything at all in your lives and the lives of those around you, that you just would like somebody to pray with you for, it will be our pleasure and our delight. God bless you.